Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. And holy shit, guys, the Kings actually jumped in the 2022 NBA Draft Lottery. I should have recorded my reaction when I saw that they were, in fact, no longer sitting at pick seven, meaning that the Kings were going to be jumping into the top four. I was freaking out, um, as I'm sure most of the people listening here can relate it did end up landing fourth, the worst outcome of the top four, obviously, um, but it, it's pretty hard to complain with the situation that the Kings are in, and it, it's so crazy to me how much these lottery odds can change the trajectory of the entire organization and the city and so many different people. Um, Sabonis is clearly a good luck charm, I guess. It's the only way to look at this. He's dressed up there all sharp, and, you know, he's got to go back next year. Just kidding. They're not even going to be in the lottery next year. I don't know what I'm talking about. Man, man, I'm recording this right after. It's probably only happened 20, 30 minutes ago. Still riding a little bit of a high, to be honest. Um, it, was, it was pretty exciting when the Blazers card was pulled instead of the Kings at 7, and no other team jumped into the top four except Sacramento. Wow. Wow. Um, okay. Jabari Smith Jr. from Auburn and Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga are the dreams. Those are the dream prospects for the Sacramento Kings in this draft. They're also probably not going to be there at four. I'd be shocked. More likely than not, there's three players in this draft that are going to be off the board. Um, when the Kings are picking. Obviously, there's going to be three players in general, but it feels like the three names that the three prospects those actually will be, we can make a decent guess at what those will be. And that is the two I mentioned, Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith Jr., and then Paulo Bancaro from Duke. I think there's going to be different orders of where those guys could be taken. If any of them fall to the Kings at three... They have to take them. I know that the Kings front office previously is has said like they viewed this as a three-man draft. And or someone within the front office and and management of the Kings has said that they view this as a three-man draft. So pretty funny that they're sitting there at four. Um, but that was also a little while ago. Who knows how, how thoughts have changed? And three-man draft doesn't mean that the fourth guy is is shit or anything like that. But it'd be an easier decision if one of those top three fell to them at four. Let's say that Jabari Smith Jr., Chet Holmgren, and Paulo Bancaro were off the board. And if Paulo is there, by the way, like I, I said, and Bryant is going to join me on Thursday, we actually already had planned to go dive into Paulo Bancaro, the prospect from Duke, who is the funkiest fit out of those top three, which is why I say I think that Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith are, are so ideal fits is, is Paulo is kind of the outlier there that is questionable when it comes to his fit with Sabonis and spacing and need to have the ball in his hands, but his talent is undeniable. The, the playmaking that he has of setting up his teammates, creating space for himself, using his physicality, he has flashes on the defensive end, but they are just flashes right now. 
So it's still a little bit of a questionable fit there, but the talent is too undeniable that if he's sitting there at three, I don't see how the, at four, I mean, I don't see how the Kings pass on him. Now, again, let's say those three are gone. At four, what do the Kings do? First, let's talk about keeping the pick because I think trading it is going to be a common thing that's mentioned by myself and a lot of other people. And I'll get into that in a little bit later in this episode. And this episode will be a little shorter. It's kind of just reactionary to the Kings jumping in the lottery, just like we all knew they would, obviously. Sitting there at four, Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith Jr., and Paulo Bancaro are off the board. Shaden Sharp. Technically out of Kentucky, but didn't play a single game. Who was looked at as a number one prospect in this class, but then did not play his year at Kentucky. The plan was for him to sit through this year and then play the following. And obviously, the he, he felt like his stock was high enough to go into this draft. Sorry for my stuttering. I'm... I'm Really am still kind of coming down from a high a little bit after this uh, this lottery that just took place right now. Um, Shaden Sharp, though, it, it's hard to know. It's really hard to know. You know, he's a, he's a great athlete. He has amazing bounce that, you know, and all the clips you're getting of him are one on zero or an empty gym with no sort of defense. It's just the setting that you have to watch him in is high school and if there's one bad thing about the kings going to the fourth overall pick is that i have to watch high school film uh i'm not excited gonna do it but not excited to do it um and sharp's just gonna be an interesting one you know uh, it's an upside swing the idea is that he's a very raw talent again not even having played during his time at kentucky he's more likely than not going to take some time. And I honestly can't even give you guys a great profile of who he is as a player right now. I know he's projected to be somebody that's a, a really high, high quality shooter that also has the athleticism and bounce to kind of be finishing at the rim and uh, does play some defense. But again, I, I don't want to sit here and, and kind of just spitball what his player archetype is, because honestly, I, I don't have a great grasp on it right now. Outside of Shady and Shaden Sharp, Jaden Ivey is the guy that's more often than not, aside from Sharp, talked about as just outside of that top three. Bryant West and I just did a profile on Jaden Ivey, and it was Johnny Davis as well in um, in one of our most recent episodes last week. So you can go back and listen to that Ivey one. And I'll be spending even more time watching Ivey here as somebody that the Kings really should consider. You know, I, I do think he does fit with the Kings offensively. I think that the shooting needs to improve, but he was a fine catch and shoot three point shooter. He is able to create space. Let me tell you the transition game. Sabonis gets a defensive board and has two outlet options being De'Aaron Fox and Jaden Ivey. Whew. Okay. Um, the athleticism in the open court would be insane with that team. And I don't think there's too much of an issue to me with Jaden Ivey and De'Aaron Fox sharing the load offensively. Maybe there's a little bit of like what we experienced with Tyrese Halliburton and, and De'Aaron Fox of Fox kind of trying to help somebody else feel comfortable and be acclimated. So 
it's just going to take some time possibly, but I think that offensively those guys fit defensively is, I mean, we kind of compared Jaden Ivey's defense to De'Aaron Fox's. So take that for what you will. But if, if they believe in Jaden Ivey's elite athleticism and the, the upside with Ivey is all about his athletic profile, his top end speed, his burst, his bounce at the rim. Um, you know, he draws John Morant comparisons sometimes, which again, every single comp is going to be have a handful of flaws to it, but it's just to get the idea of the type of player that we're talking about here. And Jaden Ivey fits that. Um, I think he's a guy that could make sense. It would be a tough fit, but if they believe that he's more supremely talented than, than the next group, then I get it. But I will say, after Ivy and Sharp, two questionable upside swings, Keegan Murray and A.J. Griffin are sitting right there. Two players that I think fit exactly what the Sacramento Kings need. Keegan Murray is that efficient floor spacer who can also protect the rim on defense and be a versatile big who's, you know, 6'8". He just... He just uh, was maybe the best player in college basketball this past season. 23.5 points, 8.7 rebounds, 1.5 assists, 1.9 blocks, 1.3 steals. While he's shooting 55% from the field, 39% from three, 74% from the free throw line. To shoot 55% from the field on six, just under 16 attempts a game, and almost five of those are threes, which he shot 39.8%. Keegan Murray's ridiculously efficient. He's not somebody that I view as a future all-star, to be honest, but I think a high-end starter in the league. Um, I I was reading a piece by, I believe it was James Edwards the other day, who covers the Detroit Pistons and how they're high on Keegan Murray. And he talked about how there was somebody, an executive, I believe it was, or maybe a scout, forgive me for not remembering the exact correct title, that said that they thought Keegan Murray could be as impactful as Jeremy Grant pretty quickly in the NBA. And I think that that's the sort of, level of impact you're talking about with Keegan Murray, which is nothing to scoff at. I know it's not people what people would typically want from a number four overall pick, but I think that even the guys going top three are not locks to be stars, in my opinion. I think that they could be really, really good players. They all have all-star upside, but this isn't a typical top of the draft. Um, so then right after you fall off to four, I think taking a Jeremy Grant level production where, you know, one or two seasons maybe are an all-star consideration, but throughout the length of your career, you're a healthy starter, a plus starter is, it is, makes a lot of sense. Um, it would fill the Kings holes. I, I think that he's a whole lot better than Trey Lyles or having Mo Harkless or Chemezi Metu out there at the four. Keegan Murray makes a lot of sense. NFL Sunday ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV which means that it just got easier to be an NFL fan, even if you live far away. Like, maybe you like the Bears, but you're hibernating in Panthers territory. But with NFL Sunday Ticket, your out-of-market team is never more than a short distance away, specifically the distance from you to your remote control. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. 
Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. 20th Century Studios presents Vacation Friends 2. Now streaming only on Hulu. Look at us all together again. We just wanted to give you guys a real honeymoon. Shots! 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 Right. Now streaming. Dad! He was just released from jail. Where can I get a drink around here? Back on vacation. This place is nice. It's drug lord nice. I'm sorry, drug lord nice? With more baggage. Ever since he showed up, he turned this relaxing vacation into total chaos. Vacation Friends 2, rated R, now streaming only on Hulu. There's a chance you could trade down and still get Keegan Murray. And that would be interesting to see if that could play out. Um, AJ Griffin is a guy that some people have higher than others. I still have yet to kind of cement exactly what I feel like his upside is. But he's a guy that showed a lot more athleticism pre his time at Kentucky, his one season. He's one of the youngest guys in the draft. He's 6'6". He's the 3 and D guy that the Kings need. And really, his primary selling point is he's a freaking elite three-point shooter. Like, outlier three-point shooter. He's insane from range. 4.1 attempts per game this past season at Duke. His freshman year, 44.7% from three. Um, also it doesn't get to the line very often 1.4 attempts per game but 79.2 percent from there which is an all right indicator um, his, his shooting is ridiculous and he's 18 years old he's going to be a little bit of a project um, when he is engaged on defense there's a lot of potential there with versatility his strength um, the length that he's working with that I see the promise there He's not engaged all the time, and I think that's something that'll just need to be worked out a little bit. Uh, his driving, like his finishing when he does get to the rim, has been fine. I don't think that the handle's been great. He's just a little bit more of a raw prospect. There's some things that are going to need to be ironed out. So it, it'll be interesting to see if A.J. Griffin draws some serious consideration. I, I think that the potential is there. The upside is there. I mean, the elite three-point shooting is something that Sacramento instantly could use. And if there's anything that we've said, that I've said, the Kings need more than anything in this offseason, it is to get three-point shooting to surround Fox and Sabonis. A.J. Griffin and Keegan Murray both give you that. Okay. That's in my mind who they could consider it for. Jaden Ivey, Shaden Sharp, Keegan Murray, A.J. Griffin, uh, and if any of Chet, Holmgren, Jabari Smith, or Paolo Bancaro fall, you take one of them and not think twice about it. After that, it's interesting because the Kings obviously don't have to just use this pick. They could trade it. And, you know, is there a trade where the Kings can swap four for 16 and... Rashawn Holmes and Justin Holiday for John Collins. Is there a way that they can package the fourth pick and next year's first rounder to move into the top three or top two and get one of Chet Holmgren or Jabari Smith Jr. Like we saw Dallas do with Luka Doncic. Is there a way that they could take the fourth overall pick and a future first and maybe another swap if that's what it takes, and go get Donovan Mitchell. There's so many possible outcomes now with what the Kings are working with. Um, you know, even, I doubt it, but 
if Detroit loves Shaden Sharp or or um, Jaden Ivey, one of the two, and you know that they do, could you swap down one pick of Rashawn Holmes in the fourth overall pick to get Detroit's fifth overall pick and Jeremy Grant? And the most recent episode I just did with Omari Sankofa, who covers the Pistons, kind of dove into the details of Grant, and I wouldn't want to give him the four-year, 112 or 16 million, I think it is, 28 million per year extension that's talked about. But you know, we talked about a four-year, 90 million, sort of like what Mikael Bridges just got. If that's the extension, sure. I don't know that four in Holmes is getting you five, five in Jeremy Grant, but you never know how things are going to play out on draft day. Who likes what, and and what sort of feelings each organization holds about these different prospects. Man, man, oh man, if they would have jumped into the top two, this would have changed everything. It really, really would have changed everything. And I'm still going to dream that one of Chet Holmgren or Jabari Smith Jr. somehow falls to four. It is a dream. It's probably not happening. I'm not going to lie. But on Thursday, I'm going to have Bryant West on here, and we're diving into Paulo Bancaro. This is going to really up my draft coverage right now, I will say, and I'm sure all the other guys and gals at the Kings Herald as well, because this really lowers the options. If the Kings were sitting at 7, 8, or 9, there was a pretty big pool of candidates. There's still a, a substantial amount of potential picks here for the Kings, but it really feels like we're probably down to like four or five names at this point. Again, I'm assuming, and maybe I'm wrong for assuming because I got to tell you, I assumed that Tyrese Halliburton was not going to be there at pick 12. I assumed the Kings would not consider Davion Mitchell. So who knows what I know. But I'm assuming Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith Jr. and Paulo Bancaro were off the board when they pick it fourth. Again, the people that, in my mind, Sacramento should be considering, Jaden Ivey, Shaden Sharp, Keegan Murray, and A.J. Griffin. Kind of stops after that. I just bought my dog a new squeaky toy, so I should have warned everybody at the beginning of the episode that this was going to happen. She's the star of the show. She's pretty hyped that they jumped up to four. I'm not going to lie. You should have seen her. Whew. Man. There's a lot that the Kings can do. With this fourth overall pick, this this um could substantially change the direction of the franchise. It also it just if they get the pick right, and it also is a substantially more intriguing trade asset. And I think that that's an aspect that shouldn't be overlooked here, because the Kings are looking to have a turnaround right now. They're looking to turn around the way that this franchise has been headed for the past 15, 16 years this season, this upcoming season. And DeMontis Sabonis, De'Aaron Fox, and Davion Mitchell, whoever else you want to throw in there, Harrison Barnes, and whatever addition you can make needs to lead to a substantial jump in wins next season. Like, does Jaden Ivey jump you up that much? Does Shaden Sharp jump you up that much? A.J. Griffin? Probably not. Probably not. Maybe one of those hit even more than I'm expected, but probably not. Um, if they're willing to be patient, which I think they should be with a top four pick, to be honest, 
and it, they like the upside of one of these guys, then great. Do it. But I'm not convinced that like they're in a position where they can pick the slow upside swing that maybe is going to take a, a year before he's a starter in the NBA, a year or two even before he's a starter in the NBA. Like, Shaden Sharp is such a wild card. Can I struggle to see the Kings seriously considering him, but obviously they're going to have all the resources and, and tools to do extended background research on him in a way that I just will not be able to. So if they go through their whole process and encircle Sharp as somebody that they really like, he fits. You know, a 6'6", like he's the three guard that the Kings need. So if they buy it, then sure. I think that Jaden Ivey is not somebody that people should look at and just be like, oh, he doesn't fit. No, I think there's a way that he does. I think he could make sense. Um, Keegan Murray and A.J. Griffin, it's not hard to pitch yourselves on the fit. Keegan Murray honestly kind of makes the most sense. But I get why some people might think he's a little bit of a reach to take it for. Because he's just not your typical upside swing. But, yeah, I don't know. He, he's exactly what the Kings need. Um, A.J. Griffin is a guy that is just going to take a little bit more time. But I see the mold being something that the Kings really need. Um, man. I'm excited. I'm excited that the Kings jumped to four in this 2022 NBA draft. It's going to change the way that this content looks over uh, over the course of this offseason. There's going to be a lot of conversations about fake trades and, and what sort of value a fourth overall pick could bring. Probably what I'll research right after I press end and upload on this recording. Um, this is going to be a fun one. So... We're going to see how, how this all shakes out, but got to say, I don't know how much I expected this, but we're sitting here at the end of the day, and the Sacramento Kings are going to get pick fourth in the 2022 NBA draft, or at least that's the pick that they own right now. Who knows if they'll shop it, and keep your fingers crossed that one of Chet Holmgren or Jabari Smith Jr. drops to them there. It would change everything for this franchise in my eyes, so that's it, guys. I, I just wanted to give my little brief reaction to what is a pretty big day for the Sacramento Kings here and a pretty good outcome in the draft lottery and definitely take a look at the Kings Herald. Again, there's going to be plenty of draft content and, and talks about the lottery. Definitely check out. I'm sure the lottery um, reaction post is already up there and you can share your thoughts in the comments with all that great community and take a look at the Patreon for the Kings Herald to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.